Hello, this is Dee Kelly of San Diego First Church of the Nazarene, and this is our Connecting Points podcast. This is a time where we take the lectionary readings, and in particular, the text that was used on the previous Sunday, and connect it to another one of the lectionary readings. So this past Sunday, August 6th, we dug in deep to Psalm 17, 1 through 7, and verse 15. That was one of the readings. In our morning tide early um, gathering, we also looked at Genesis 32, verses 22 through 31. One of the passages that we didn't look at, but is the focus of the Connecting Points podcast uh, today, is Romans 9, 1 through 5. And as is typical of our time together, I have the privilege of reading that passage for us. So looking at Romans chapter 9, beginning with verse 1 and going through verse 5. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord, and for that we say thanks be to God. Well, this Romans 9 passage um, the entire chapter has several portions that are just hard, difficult. Um, and they're difficult for a variety of reasons. In this particular section, it's hard because of the deep, profound anguish that Paul is expressing over his own people. It's also hard because he suggests that he'd be willing to, um, or that he could wish that he were cut off from Christ for the sake of others. But what a horrible thought that one would have to be cut off in order for others to come to know Christ. But fortunately, the good news is that that's not necessary. That Christ's love, the price that has been paid, the Messiah's willingness to lay down his life for ours, makes it possible for all to come to know Christ and for no one to be left behind. That there is not a requirement that that take place. But Paul is speaking in this passage of deep, profound um, sadness, grief. This is similar in terms of its emotional weightedness to Psalm 17. Psalm 17, as you recall, is Psalm where the psalmist uh, talks about the great pressure that he is under. The um, enemies have pressed in hard. They are in a position where it seems like they are taking advantage of him. And there is a demanding prayer in this psalm where the psalmist cries out and said, Listen, Lord, are you listening? Can you hear me? Turn your ear toward me. See what's taking place. 
there is strong declarative statements asking for God's intervention. And so the weightedness of the grief is similar between these two passages. And that's part of um, the key connection that I see between these two passages, though I'm sure that there is much more. In the psalm reading, we have a conclusion. We have at least at some level a resolution. We don't know that the circumstances are dramatically changed. We don't know how God might have intervened. But we do know that the psalmist comes to a shift in thinking. A shift where the psalmist recognizes the importance of being satisfied in God's presence, of seeing God's face, of waking up in the morning and knowing that God is walking with him through the journey that he's facing. So regardless of the circumstances, the psalmist comes to this place where he will find satisfaction, um, relief in simply being in God's presence and having God's favor and God's countenance look upon him. We don't have that in this, uh, in the same way in this brief pa- passage. But there is an acknowledgement at the end of the Christ who is God. Uh, pardon me. Uh, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. So there is a little bit of a resolution here, but but the agony doesn't quite get the same resolution in this passage. In fact, it continues and identifies the ways in which God's choice is independent of us. God chooses whom he will bless. God decides how things unfold. There is this um, giving over to God's omnipotence, God's omniscience, God's choices, But part of this is a setup, it seems to me, part of the argument that Paul is making that God is trustworthy, that God has a plan in mind, that God has a purpose to all of this, that difficult circumstances that we face ultimately can be transformed by God's work to become some of the most amazing blessings that we have. It takes me back, as I mentioned on Sunday, to the closing verse of Psalm 16, where the psalmist says, you've made known to me the path of life, where I find joy in your presence, eternal pleasures in your right hand. That sometimes we get far too preoccupied with the pleasures that are in God's right hand and forget that we have our eyes on the creation, not the creator. And joy is to be found in the face or the presence of the creator. Trust that the blessings will come or that the difficult moments will be transformed into blessings if we keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, on our creator, on our redeemer, on the one who knows us and loves us. That's what the psalmist leads us to. And I think Paul is doing that as well here in Romans. We are just stepping into the middle of this. But I also don't want to miss the incredible agony he has for his people, people who have such a history and such a heritage, divine blessing, divine adoption, divine covenants, divine law, 
the temple worship, the promises, the patriarchs, the tracing of human ancestry in Christ. This, to me, again, takes me back to the end of Psalm 16. It is walking the pathway of life, looking full in the face of Christ. And I don't know you how you look full in the face of Christ without one of you walking backwards on this pathway, this journey of life. It's, as I've mentioned many times before, one of the places in Scripture where we come or where we recognize the old Hebrew adage that we walk backwards into the future. Paul is doing that in chapter 9 of Romans, where he looks back and acknowledges all the incredible ways in which the people of Israel have been blessed and protected and guided by God. Paul doesn't want them to miss this. And that the Messiah is one more step, one more moment in this long history of God's faithfulness. But it is a crescendo moment that he doesn't want them to miss or us to miss. And so, if we turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If we walk backwards into the future and keep our eyes fixed on the face of our Redeemer, that's where we will find joy. That's where we'll find peace. That's where we'll find the strength to face the unknown. That's where we'll find our posture changing, no longer being overwhelmed by circumstances, but being brought to peace because our eyes are fixed on the presence or the face of the one who has redeemed us. For me, those are the connecting points, connections to the Genesis passage, even the Matthew passage, but connecting Romans and Psalm together. I'm looking forward to where we'll go in the future weeks. I hope you will continue to join us. And I pray that your eyes might be fixed on Jesus this week and that you might find their comfort in the midst of your circumstances and receive the peace of Christ. So I pray God be with you till we're together again. Thanks. Have a great week.